All right, so I want to track back into this um, thought that we started last week, right? Do everything in love. And we were in 1 Corinthians 16, and we went through a long point, number one. You remember that? So today we're going to be in uh, the second kind of portion of, of this little mini-series here. And you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. Um, or it's on the wall. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along that way in just a minute. But we're going to be there shortly. But we always like to talk first. And so I just want to ask you, everybody okay? Anybody need anything before we get rolling here? Anybody thirsty? Hungry? <laughs> well, if you were thirsty... And you are hungry. I can't help that right now. But if you were thirsty, what would you desire? What would be the drink of choice? I heard coffee. I heard water. An ice cold Pepsi. A sweet tea. Unsweet tea. <laughs> Anybody else? Beverage of choice. It's what I like to drink. All right, well, we're going to talk about fluids here just for a minute. Don't, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not taking your order, okay? We don't have a waiter in the hallway who's trying to get all these orders together. Uh, that's just simply a lead-in for what we want to talk about today. Um, what do you think is the number one selling drink in the world? That's absolutely right. The number one selling drink in the world is bottled water. Is that just crazy? All right. That just, it's one of those things that amazes me. You know, 71% of this planet is covered in water, and a lot of this is accessible for free, and yet the most purchased, the most sought-after beverage on the planet is, is bottled water. And I can, remember when, uh, I can remember when this became kind of a thing. Like, I think 1667 is when the first bottled water, it was actually a glass bottle, was made. But when they started making these little plastic bottles, you know, kind of the 16.9 ounce bottles that you can get everywhere now. It really took off, kind of the early 90s. I can remember going to restaurants with my parents and them just being blown away that people were buying water to go with their meal. Like it had always come free before. You know, and there's still a lot of places you can get free water. But if you want it in a bottle, it's going to cost you, right? So out of the tap is free. The bottle is 450 You know, or if you're at a Cardinal game, it's 7 bucks or whatever. You know, it just it costs a lot of money for this same sort of thing. So early 2000s is when this really took off. A company named Brita. Any of you have purifiers in your home? Water purifiers? Pitchers or maybe on your faucets or something like that? Well, you've heard of Brita, the pure water purifying company? Well, they came out with a slogan. You might remember this in the early 2000s. Uh, it said, tap and toilet water come from the same source. Don't you deserve better? And we all said... Yes, right? When you put it in that way of thinking, uh, yeah, I definitely, I don't want to be drinking the same water that's coming, you know, because what we think is it's coming out of our toilet. I don't want that kind of water. It's got to be more pure than, than that. So they've made a killing. They made a mucho dinero, okay, off of putting water in a bottle and telling us that we needed this because it was better for us than what you could get out of your tap, okay? Now, if you go to your dentist, you know what he or she will tell you? That's right. Lay off the bottled water. It's bad for your teeth. Bad for the enamel on your teeth. Okay? So we think we're being healthy. In some ways it probably is, but in other ways it's hurting us as well. Well, let me just throw some numbers at you. Here's some things. These things always interest me. They may not you, but I appreciate how you uh, endure with me just for a little bit. 
Here's some numbers to think about. The average cost of a gallon of bottled water is $1.22. That is 300 times the cost of a gallon of tap water. Okay? 300 times the cost of a gallon out of tap. Uh, bottled water industry grossed nearly $12 billion here in recent years on 10 billion gallons of water. And so they said if you take into account that over two-thirds of the water that's sold is sold out of those 16.9-ounce bottles rather than by the gallon. So you can buy it a gallon for $1.22. If you buy a gallon 16.9 ounces at a time, it's $7.50. And so then this number is like 2,000 times the amount that we pay for bottled water versus what we could pay when it comes straight out of our tap. Since the early 90s, sales have increased 371%. It says the average person now takes three times more bottled water in than they did about 20 years ago. So it was about 10 gallons a year per person, bottled water, and now we're up over 30. So I don't know how that works for you. Maybe you don't drink 30, uh, but some of us are making up where you're falling short, all right? Where you're not pulling your weight, we're certainly drinking ours. So those are just some things to think about there when it relates to, to bottled water. But I got to thinking, man, that's like... I think if we could sell people on a need, if we can help them see a need, then we'll buy just about anything, won't we? I was watching this guy on uh, a video here. He has this thing, it's called a straw. And it looks kind of like, it's about seven inches long. I don't really know how to describe it. It's got a straw that comes out of the end of it, but it's a water filter. And you can go get water out of Horseshoe Lake, put it in a water bottle, you screw this thing on, it's threaded, so you screw it onto your water bottle, you flip the straw out, and you start drinking. All right, would you do that? No. I wish I'd have found that earlier. I was going to try to demonstrate that. But you don't have to wait for it to be purified. He just started tilting it back, and he picked it up out of a creek, and then he was putting it in glass, and you could see the change in color, and you could see the impurities removed. It was pretty amazing. 30 bucks, right? You can pick that up. They say every camper needs this in their backpack. So I know some of you like to camp. So you might, one of these, might want one of these to carry with you. But I got to thinking, if we could sell water, which is free everywhere, I think we could probably make a pretty good business out of selling air. I think we could. And I thought I was on to something. I always think I'm on to something. I'm way behind everybody. So I started Googling this. There's a company out there already. Vitality Air. This is a legit company. Look it up later. Um, they're out of Canada. They saw on eBay, somebody took a Ziploc bag of Canadian Air and sold it on eBay for 99 cents. And they got the idea like, man, if people will buy Ziploc Air, they might buy it out of a can. So sure enough, they've come up with this patent where they put 150 basically fresh air puffs in this can and they sell it. You can buy two cans for 30 bucks and they can't keep it on their shelf. Isn't that crazy? Now, you think about areas like China as their number one purchaser, I guess. And so Sarah's been here and shown us some pictures, and you've seen that on TV as well. Like when the smog's in, they tell you don't go out because it's terrible. And so I watched some videos of some, some Chinese people. After they were working out, they didn't want to go outside and cool off because they didn't want to breathe in the smog. So they're sitting there puffing this Vitality Air. It's 10 cents a puff. Like these guys are making money like crazy. Right? We'll buy anything if we can show people there's a need for it. 
right? And so what does purified water and purified air have to do with doing everything in love? Well, there's a common denominator in all these things, and I'm glad you asked that question, all right? The common denominator is they all need a filter. To get pure water, it needs to be filtered. To get pure air, it needs to be filtered. And for you and I to do everything in love, we need the filter. And so today what we're looking at is the God filter. All right? The God filter in us, we've sung about it today, we've read about it out of 1 John. And we're going to look here in a few different places, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 16. So if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, we're going to remind ourselves once again what Paul said to do everything in love, okay? So up to this point, this is the end of this letter. And so he's talked to them a whole lot about all sorts of things going on in their church, uh, churches that just weren't very good. And he's trying to give them some instruction because he loved these people and he cared about them. So this is the end of the letter and he's kind of given them some summary statements, all right, before he signs off. And here's what he says. So you can follow along in your Bible or, or on the wall here today. It says, be on your guard and stand firm in the faith be courageous and be strong and do everything in love. And do everything in love. So when the Bible says everything, does that mean everything? All right, so last week we went through this whole thing like sometimes we have a problem with saying, you know, never say never. We don't want to go to the extreme. Well, God doesn't use analogies or metaphors. All right, he does, but not in this context here. When he says everything, his word, he means everything. So we're looking at how do we do that, all right? How do we do that? So last week we started off with reminding ourselves that we've got to get to know the love of God as much as possible. I'm not repeating that message, all right? Don't start getting worried. I just wanted to pick up where we left off. Get to know the love of God as much as possible so we can begin the process of doing everything that's possible in love. And so what we said there is we want to get to know the love of God truthfully and we want to get to know the God of love personally. Right? Because that's something that's experienced. And so when I experience his love, I then have something to share. Right? I mean, you guys have experienced this. You've been through a difficult day or a difficult time in your life and somebody showed up and they helped comfort you or they gave you some words of advice or they prayed with you and it helped. Right? And so when you and I had another friend that was struggling, what did we do? That's right. We went to that friend and we counseled them and we loved them and we hugged them and we sat with them and cried with them we prayed with them because that's how we were comforted the bible says the way we're comforted is the way that we can comfort others and so the same thing here is true with the love of god the way that i understand and experience and know the love of god then i'll be able to express and reflect uh, kind of disseminate that same love that's in me all right so get to know it as much as you possibly can until you quit breathing I mean, this should be at the very top of our agenda get to know the love of god as much as possible. Let's go to, though, here we're going to talk about this filter that we spent a few minutes trying to introduce here. So, to love without limits, we've got to filter everything through God's love. And so, the Bible talks about the enduring love of God. Remember Psalm 136? The love of the Lord, it endures forever. It endures forever. We'll read it here in 1 Corinthians 13, that love endures all things. It just continues. It never ceases. It's the one thing that will always remain. So when we think about filtering everything through God's love, we've got to take things that are impure and make them pure through a filter, okay? So Horseshoe Lake water needs to go through a pure purifier so you and I can drink it. Evidently, air needs to go through a purifying process so we can breathe it. And there was our millions. Somebody else has already got it, right? 
The same thing is true here with the love of God. For you and I to express the love of God, there's got to be a filter there that removes the impurities, those ways that I want to love that are not God-honoring, and in His place, filter that out and put this pure, um, unending, always enduring love of God. So Jesus summarized love with two statements, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as you love yourself. And so love is this kind of filter that we're going to work through. So today we're going to talk about what is the God filter, who is the God filter, and why the God filter, all right? And we'll use different words of Paul here as he's related to different churches and individuals to learn a little further how to love without limits, where there's no, no strings attached. So let's start with the what. What is the love filter? What is the standard for how you and I are to love, all right? You can go many places in the Bible. We were here maybe four or five weeks ago. But let's go back here and look at how this is described in 1 Corinthians 13. What is the God filter? God is love, and so here it says love is patient, it's kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, and it's not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Okay, so here you can begin to see this isn't the all-inclusive filter of God, but it gives us a lot to work with when it comes to filtering everything that we think, say, or do in love. That's a big task, right? I mean, how often do you pause before you speak? How often do we think before we act, is this action going to be a loving action? Right? If we are to do everything in love, then it requires us, it demands of us to be thinking people who filter every thought, every word, every action through the God filter. And so here, we read last week, 1 John 4, 8, it said God is love. You could replace love is or love with God here. So where it says love is patient, we could say what? God is patient. Love is kind. God is kind, right? Love never fails. God never fails. You could go all the way through that and just replace love with God because that's who he is. It's, it's not only what he does, but it is, it's who he is. And so learning to try to filter everything I think, say, or do through this love filter will be a challenge of our life, right? So that's why it's good to memorize some of these verses, and I would encourage you to do that. 1 Corinthians 13, encourage us to do that. Verses 4 through 8. So that when it comes to that point where I feel like I want to say something, but I'm not sure if I should say it, what have I got? I've got the God filter through which I can run my thought. Okay, is what I'm about to say, is it patient or is it being impatient? Is it demonstrating kindness or is it selfishness? Am I wanting to speak up here because I've kept a record of wrongs and now it's my turn to lay into you? All right? So it's, it serves as that filter. At our house, we have a few of these words that we use often. All right? So we say when it comes time to speak to somebody, three words. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? And if it doesn't meet all three of the criteria, what do you do? That's right. You just swallow it, right? You just let it go because it may be true, but it may not be necessary. Okay? Or it may not be kind. It may be necessary, but it's not necessarily true. Right? We feel like I've got to say something, but I'm not sure that what I'm saying is actually truth. It's what I've heard or it's what somebody has said. And so I want to make sure that it meets at least those three criteria. So 
The God filter is extremely important. Okay, now sometimes I want to set it aside. Do you? You ever want to think what you want to think? Somebody, you're thinking something and somebody comes along and says, well, how would God deal with that situation? You're like, oh, man, why'd you bring God into this? You know, it's kind of, I want to do this on my own. Like, I'm angry right now. Don't you get that? And I feel justified in the way that I'm thinking. Or we could go opposite, like, I'm looking at something that's not healthy for me. It's impure. Right? It's drawing me to a place of envy or pride or lust. And I just would rather set aside the God filter because I want to think about what I want to think about. If we're going to do everything in love, we've got to have a God filter. All right? And so here are some things to work it through. Everything that I think about has to pass that test. Sometimes I want to set it aside. Sometimes we want to set it aside to speak our mind. Ever been there? This just has to be said. Okay? Which means I know I probably shouldn't say this at all. But I feel justified in saying it for whatever reason, so here you go. All right, I'm just getting ready to vomit my anger all over you or vomit my frustration all over you, and then I'll feel better and you will, you'll feel like you've been vomited on, right? Somebody just puked all over you. It just has to be said. Okay, well, if it does, let's make sure that it passes through the God filter. All right, would God speak this way? And the same thing with what we do. So what I'm saying is, how many seconds are there in a minute? How many minutes are there in an hour? How many hours in a day? 24. How many days in a week? How many weeks in a year? 52. All right. So all I'm really trying to say is as long as we have breath, right, this is the way you and I must think. If I am really supposed to do everything in love, it means everything must pass through the God filter. And whatever is impure needs to be absorbed by that filter, right? I mean, I don't want to drink horseshoe lake water that's not been purified. I want the impurities to be absorbed to get me to what's pure. That's what's good for me. And so whenever it comes to what I think, say, or do, I want that to be absorbed if it's impure. So then what comes out and what addresses you is God honoring. And therefore, I could lay my head down at night and say, I've tried to do everything in love. Now, are we going to be perfect at this? No, okay? Is that our excuse? No, we can't let that be our excuse. And don't let me let that be my excuse, okay? Don't let me feel like I can be justified because maybe you agree with what's happened in my life and yeah, you should go vent. I need somebody who's going to help point me back, 1 Corinthians 13, and say, Corey, does it pass the filter? Is that impure? Will it get absorbed? Or is it something that needs to travel on? I don't want to set it aside. And so we need people to remind us that everything that we do is to be in love. Therefore, it needs to pass through this filter. All right? So here's some other words of advice. This is the half-brother of Jesus. And here's what he says when it comes to speaking, at least. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay? So here again, he's trying to give us a filter. All right? This is a different person. It's the same concept. Let's stop and think before we speak. Let's stop and think before we act. And while we're thinking, let's think about what we're thinking. Is this good for me? Is it producing Christ-like qualities in me? Is it growing me and challenging me? Or is it just settling me uh, on a level where, where God is not? 
So don't toss it away. Let's, let's think about it. And if it doesn't meet the standard, we need it to be sucked up in the purifier. Let it go. God, you see my heart. You see this thought. You know what I want to say right now, but I'm not going to say it, and so I'm giving it to you. All right? That's the way I'm getting rid of it. Just chuck it into God's hands. He'll be sure to take care of that. So that's the what, okay? What, who, and why. The what of the God filter, one of them anyway, is 1 Corinthians 13. Here also we see it's in James 1. Jesus spoke it in Matthew and Mark, those Gospels. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You can use that as your filter. Whatever it is, we need to have a God filter in place that helps us do everything in love. If not, then I'm certain we will not. All right, let's go then to the who. Right? Who is the God filter? Who's the one that takes this filter and makes it work in us? Who applies what we read so then we can live in ways that are pure? Anybody know? All right, the who in us would be the Holy Spirit. Okay? He is the who of the filter. So the what would be the criteria, the purifier. The who is the spirit that lives within you and I. And so let's read this here this morning. You remember Paul writing to his friend Tim, telling him, I'm getting ready to go on. I'm entrusting some things into your care. And I understand what's going to face you. And I know what can want to, you know, kind of fester up in you. And so remember some things, Timothy. Remember that God didn't give you a spirit of fear that causes you to be timid, right? But he gives us a spirit of power and of what? And of love. And of self-discipline or a sound mind or self-control there. Okay? And so here you've got the Spirit of God. The Spirit that God gives us doesn't make us timid, but it makes us people who are powerful in Christ, who have the love of Christ in us, and who can act with wisdom, making good, sound judgments. And so when you and I came to believe in Jesus Christ, that wasn't just a good decision that we made, right? That's not good on us. Hey, way to go. Smart move. Okay? Somewhere along the way, the Spirit of God was at work drawing a person. And where there's no Spirit drawing, there's no true conversion. And so we need the Spirit of God drawing us. And so God's Spirit somewhere along the way drew you if you know Him. And part of that was to help you and I see our sin. And it was to help us to realize that our sin separates us from God. It was to help create in us this truth that we need a Savior. And then to point us to that Savior. Okay? Now, does the, the Spirit force us to be saved? Did you come kicking and screaming to the cross saying, I don't want to do this? No. So He doesn't force His way on anybody. But He is the illuminator. And His job is to illuminate things that are true. Are we sin, sinful people? Yes. World's greatest. Okay? Is Jesus a Savior? Yes, He is. He's the only one. And so... The Spirit works to help us see our sin, to help us see the Savior. He works to draw us, and then we have the, the choice there whether or not we're going to receive and believe in Jesus or we're just going to walk and reject. And so Paul is trying to remind Timothy here of what is at work within him. One is there's a work of power in you, Tim. It's not like he turned into Popeye all of a sudden. You know, Popeye had his spinach can and gave him big muscles. It's not like the Spirit comes in, all of a sudden we get this, you know, this physique that we've always wanted. It's that we have power to do what God's asking us to do. So we have power to stand against temptation. We have power to endure and persevere through persecution. And one commentator said it's God's holy courage 
in us. It's one way to think about not having a spirit of fear, but rather having a spirit of power. But we also see the second part of that there. He didn't give you just a spirit of power, but he's given you a spirit of, of love. And so this is Christ in us. This is helping us to see how Christ has actually loved us, like we talked about last week. Right? Where we were bound, or somebody was bound and tied up and brutal, brutally beaten here. Would we be willing to die for the person that brutally beat our loved one? We said no. And then we said, but that's what God did towards us. We don't understand that kind of love, but we need to get to know it better. Right? So that's one of the, the workings of the Spirit in us. He helps me not just know truthfully the love of God, but He is the one who helps me personally experience this love of God in me. This peace, this joy, this hope, this comfort, all these things that come through a genuine, true, real relationship with this Creator God. And so yes, we're to do everything in love, and so what we need not only is the what, the filter. If all I need is the filter, I can do it on my own. No thank you, Holy Spirit. What I need is this Spirit within me that's turning my heart, transforming my heart to desire to love as I've been loved. And that would be in return to God, and that would be in return to uh, or towards other people as well. And so yeah, we've got a part to play. My part is to express what God is teaching me and the love that I'm experiencing back to Him and to you and to other people as well. So God didn't give us the Spirit that causes us to be afraid, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. All right, so that's our who. We've got the God filter of His Word. We've got the who, which is the Spirit within those who believe. And now let's talk a minute about the why. All right, what is it that drives you and I to do what we do? Here we're going to see Paul again addressing, addressing these Corinthian believers. And he's going to do so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, uh, and verse 14. So here's why we do everything in love. Paul writes and says, It's because Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. See, there was something that was driving, there was a force within Paul that was motivating, compelling him to do everything in love, and it was not... The law. So what I want us to see carefully today is this. Doing everything in love is not just an exchange of I'm not going to do these things, immoral things, and I get a heavenly morality list from God. Now I'm going to start doing moral things. Right? That would be an exchange of a law for a law. We exchanged a law for grace. We exchanged the law, Paul said, for the fruit of the what? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. You know what the first fruit mentioned is? The fruit of the Spirit? And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Right? It's the first one mentioned. And so we see this changing in us, right? It's not, okay, I set aside, I'm going to stop thinking those ways, saying those things, doing those things, and now I'm taking on God's list. I'm going to start saying this, thinking this, doing this. That's all external. What I need is transformation. Right? If we needed information, God would have sent a teacher. We need a transformation. We need something within us making us different, making us new, renewing our minds, challenging us, removing impurities, and in its place putting everything that's pure. And here it's in the context of love. And so Paul says, what compels me to do everything in love is my understanding of how I've been loved. 
It's not a to-do list. I didn't get this mandate from heaven. Go speak to Gentiles and I just do it as my job. I'm doing this because this is what I know. This is my reality. And so he was influenced by, inspired by, what was modeled before him, and that is the love of Christ. And so for Paul, this let him love without limits. For Paul, this let him do everything in love. So I don't want you and I walking out of here thinking, man, I've got to start doing X, Y, Z. My main X, Y, Z is to submit to the work of the Spirit and the Word of God and let the transformation take place. As he transforms us, one commentator said, all he's doing is creating in us a love to do what we ought to do. All right? It's not go do what you ought to do. It's he creates a love in us to go do what we ought to do. Where we desire above all things to not only experience his love, but to live out this love. So as I continue to grow in this, what's going to happen then? You and I are going to live this out. And so what kind of love is this? All sorts of words we threw out last week. Here's some words that might help us relate to love, and some of these you've shared as well. And so as I experience a zealous love, then I'll be able to in turn express a zealous love, which means it's passionate, it's purposed, it's after a specific cause. It's not random, it's not just a feeling. It's compelled by things that are, are true. So it's a zealous love. It's a self-denying love where I'm setting me aside to pursue what's best for you. Is that what Christ did for us? Absolutely. Set himself aside to pursue what was best for us. He humbled himself in love. We could talk about it being an unconditional love or an extravagant love as John wrote about. It's this love that's been lavished all over us. It's a for the glory of God kind of love. It's for the good of others kind of love. And the more that I get to know this love, the more you and I then are able to live out this call on our life to do everything in love. And so Paul says, this is what compels me. This is the why. This is what drives me to go out and do and to live basically love without limits. And so I want you to think here just for a minute. Is there a what that you have in place that helps you filter everything you think, say, or do so that it comes out loving on the other end? Right? We all have something that can help us, and it's the Word of God. And you have one of these, hopefully. If not, let us know. We'll get one to you. But we can read that, right? Part of the Word of God is there to help us understand how we've been loved so that in turn we can live this love without limits. And so do you have a filter in place that, uh, that works to remove those impurities. Uh, I wonder, have you believed in Jesus? Not just that He exists, but has the Spirit drawn you to where you say, I need that. I need that salvation. I need that forgiveness. I need Him and what He did for me to cover what I have done. The Spirit will come and work and live in those who believe. And so maybe today that's where you rest like, I've never asked Jesus to, to save me from my sins. I'm not functioning or operating with this spirit at work within me. And friend, you can't do this everything in love. You're going to struggle. For you, it's just a trade of lists. You know, quit cussing and start talking nicely. Quit getting drunk on the weekends and start drinking something better. You know, quit being mean to your neighbor and start being nice to your neighbor. Quit being rude to your wife and start loving your wife. Quit being disrespectful to your employer and now start respect. That's just don't do and do. Don't do and do. 
All right? Behavioral modification is not what the Christian goal is. Transformation is inwardly. All right? I want to be changed inwardly. What will happen then as this begins to work, this spirit, is that you'll start to see a change here. How you talk to your spouse, how you love your children, how you work with people that think differently than you, how you love on your neighbor who maybe doesn't love you in return. But that's a work that starts within, not just a swapping of lists. Stop that and now start doing that. You know, is there a spirit at work within you or maybe you're just trying to work off a do-better list? Uh, and then I wonder, what drives you? What is it that's going to drive you and what is it that drives you to love people the way that God loves you? I mean, is that a common thought in your life? If somebody cuts you off in traffic, are you thinking, I'm going to love you as Christ loved me? Somebody gets in your face and speaks rudely to you, are you thinking, and I'm going to speak to you the way that God has addressed my heart? You know, somebody who doesn't care whatsoever about you, can you walk around that person who has turned their back on you and look at them and say, you don't have to care about me at all, but I care about you. All right? Because that's how God addressed my heart. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. We weren't good people. He came our direction when we could care less about Him. And the end result for those who believe is that we've got a filter that's purifying everything that we think, say, or do. All right? That's our what. We've got a spirit who's living in us to transform us to live out this kind of love. And we've got a compelling because we know this love. We've experienced it. It's not just words on a page. It's the life that we live. And so what I wonder today is, are you set up for our next step? All right? Are you set up for our next step? Last week we said, whatever we do, we've got to get to know the love of God as much as possible. Here we're talking about filtering everything through the love of God. Next week we're going to talk about how we flesh this out and actually make this happen. And so are you currently set up for that? It's the Spirit of God in you. Are you a believer are you loving the Lord with all your heart as much as you know how? Are you letting His love be the filter through which you think, say, and do?